Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You ever heard a dirty joke? You ever laugh at it? Well, that's called dirty humor. And we're about to get into a comedian, um, you know, who uh, had an interesting life leading up to some uh, pretty dirty comedy. And uh, I happen to like dirty comedy. This is Funny Like Clown Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Worth, episode 84, November 4th, 2020. Brought to you, as always, by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. You gotta get some of this stuff. Look at Ooh, I can smell it right through there. Pow. G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. Buster Poindexter, you say hot, hot, hot. Well, it's hot, hot, hot stuff. Go to www.gvegas.webs.com and, uh, hey, order yourself some up, get shipped to your house. And I'm sure Eddie Griffin, the man we're about to discuss, he'll be getting some buffalo sauce shipped to his house because uh, who don't like a good buffalo sauce? I'm sure Eddie gets down, he watches the game, some buffalo wings, right? Little blue cheese, little ranch dressing, whatever it takes, man, dress it up. Uh, Eddie Griffin, um, best known for uh, his sitcom from 1996 to 2000, Malcolm and Eddie. And, of course, the underground cult classic 2002 film, Undercover Brother. I think it was kind of like a, uh, can I say it, during the Black Lives Matter freaking protest thing. Can you even say the word black anymore? African-American? I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to say. But it was kind of a, you know, uh, a black version of Austin Powers, where Austin Powers brought you back to the 70s. Well, they brought you back to the 70s, you know, if you were living it through a black person's life. And, uh... Uh, funny film in its own right, yeah, certainly, uh, made a name for himself with it, uh, gained him a cult, cult following, you know, cult classic right there, one of those, let's have a few beers and watch Undercover Brother movie, um, you know, uh, made no bones about it, he did some dirty comedy, and, you know, he said, hey, if we're made in God's image, then God must have a sense of humor, and he's probably up in heaven saying, that hey, great, if that, that, girl from one funny motherfucker, alright, so, uh, who knows? What do you believe? What don't you believe? What's happening? Uh, also, some other uh, movies that made him famous. He was in 1999's Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Had a role in that. In the sequel, uh, 2005's uh, Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. And uh, those were some pretty funny movies. I remember uh, getting a kick out of those. And uh, all these guys meet, man, at the world-famous comedy store. And... Uh, and that's what happened. They get together, they make movies, they get uh, sitcoms, they get everything out of that place. And uh, number 62 comedian on Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Queens of All Time. And just to be on that list is like you got to pinch yourself just to be on the 100 of all-time comedians, man. And uh, what a great movie. Uh, how do you get started out? Uh, let's see. Um, 16, he uh, moved to L.A. and enlisted in the U.S. Navy. He was discharged after six months for smoking some pot. <laughs> Guess you can't do that in the Navy back then. So uh, uh, once he got out of there, he did six months in jail for assault and battery uh, for a fight that he got in. 
Once he got out of there, he made uh, money doing some odd jobs, dancing and painting houses. Now, I could see the guy painting the houses when I saw that he was a dancer. I, just, I never picture Eddie Griffin as a dancer, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, you, you always seem to me like somebody who'd make fun of people dancing rather than somebody to actually be dancing himself. But, uh, hey, he'd probably get down with the best of them. Why not? Um... Uh, let's see, on a dare, I guess they were at an open mic, and they were in the audience, and it was an open mic, anybody can sign up and go up, somebody dared them to go up, hopped up on stage on a dare, and, uh, ended up getting a standing ovation telling stories about his family, and, uh, smart move, man, because the real-life stories are funnier than anything you could have made up, alright, you tell the real-life stuff, and people can relate to the real-life stuff, where, you know, Jokes sometimes are funny, but you can tell people made them up, or the real-life stuff, you can tell, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened to you. That is hysterical. And, you know, everybody's got something to happen in their family that's hysterical. What's your family do? What's my family do? We all laugh about each other's family. Uh, some of uh, his more popular gigs, uh, one, he uh, started out doing comedy. He did uh, a gay Andrew Dice Clay character. Now, Andrew Dice Clay was the number one comedian back at this time for a short time, but... Anytime as being the number one comedian on the planet is a good thing. So, uh, didn't last long, but he got there, man, selling out arenas. And, uh, I can see doing like a gay version of Andrew Dice Clay, how that would come out funny, because he was like, uh, he, he was the guy who'd be picking on the gays. And <laughs> there were the macho, you know, you know, Stallone attitude and Fonzie's jacket and stuff, where I guess his alter ego would have been, uh, later, I guess, uh, Dice. Dice, he's a comedian, he can take a joke. He, he later uh, asked him to open, hired him to open for him on his tours. So, how's that when you got a guy making fun of you and you, you can see the humor in him making fun of you where you hire him to open for you? Go make fun of me and then I'll come on, alright? And that's a real comedian right there, alright? Because, you know, comedians, we know how to take jokes. We can get offended by nothing. Like, nowadays, everybody's offended by everything. It's becoming a very tough thing to do comedy, okay? Because no matter what you say, somebody's going to be offended by it. And, once one person gets offended by it with, the, you know, social media just, it blows up in your face. There's no stopping it because people like to jump on the hate bandwagon, okay? And it's a lot easier to kick someone down than it is to bring somebody up, okay? If it ain't your thing, just keep scrolling. You don't have to, you don't have to buy into the hate, okay? Everybody's so miserable in their life, they scroll Facebook just looking for something to hate about. Why don't you look for something to be positive about? That's probably a better rule. That's what comedians do. They try to make you laugh, be positive, bring somebody up, make them feel good about themselves, not bad. Uh, let's see, uh, some roles he did on the way up. Uh, the Meteor Man in 1993, Double Take in 2001, John Q in 2002. Uh, the Scary Movie 3 franchise he was in in 2003. Uh, Norbit in 2007, and... Uh, Urban Justice. So, uh, you know, some of the little roles that he, you know, any role in Hollywood, you're making big bucks, man. It don't matter as long as you get in there. You're doing pretty good for yourself. Uh, performed on Dr. Dre's album on two tracks in 1999. Uh, he was also into the music thing. Uh, one track on uh, DOC's 1996 Helter Skelter. So, uh, yeah, he was definitely in the music scene big time. Um, did some Miller Beer Man Law commercials, all right? So, beer companies, big money in beer companies, okay? You're doing commercials for them, you're making some dough. Um, other than a gay Andrew Dice Clay, one of his more popular routines was Michael Jackson on crack. 
I never seen the routine, but just thinking about it, I'm already laughing about it. It just one of those sounds funny, you know. It's like you got to see him do it because it just sounds like a funny thing. Uh, he appeared in some skits on the Chappelle Show, which I guess that's like Saturday Night Live, you know. I mean, there's some smaller time actors that every now and then they'll throw them in a skit and you'll see them in the background, but just to be seen in the background on Saturday Night Live, have that that credit to your name that, yeah, I was seen, you know, it's like be an extra in the movie. Uh, where are you? Well, you see those 200 people on that little dot in the middle of the 200 people, but you still get a credit for being in it. Nobody starts at the top, you know, everybody wants to make fun of you for doing it. Well, hey, you get your foot in the door, uh, you do something small, and it leads to something bigger, okay? And the people who want to sit home and make fun of those things, those are the people who are going nowhere in the business. You want to make it? You work your way up, man. Um, yeah, I remember, geez, I remember one of my earlier podcasts, I was talking to an actor who was trying to make it out of Hollywood, and he was telling me, like, you know, uh, you know, some of the big-time actors, one used to stand in a chicken suit and try to sell chicken in front of a, a chicken place, so, you know, all these big actors, they weren't always big-time actors, they had to start somewhere, man, and it definitely ain't at the top, it's at the bottom, and you work your way up, so, uh, Good luck to you. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's he got coming up? Uh, a movie called Wild Run with Charlie Sheen. So keep an eye. It's probably out by now. But uh, if not, you'll be seeing it soon because that's what they're doing. Um, 2011 uh, released a Comedy Central DVD. Uh, you can tell him I said it. And uh, 2019, a comedy special, uh, Enigma on Showtime. And these are the big things of that Comedy Central on Showtime. And... Uh, Netflix has kind of taken over because, I mean, uh, I think i seen Whitney Cummings talk about it earlier. She's like, she had the choice, do you want to be on Netflix or Comedy Central? She's like, of course, no, oh, HBO. They're, of course HBO. That's where she grew up watching all the big-time comedians are on HBO. And now everybody's asking her, where can we go to watch your specials? She's like, uh, I, I don't know. Where do you know where Netflix, once you're online, you're there forever. So they can go there and watch it anytime they want. So who knew Netflix would turn into the next generation thing that it did? And that's like, you know, I, I brought up the, the question uh, online to my comedy friends. I was like, you know, what would you rather be on? The Tonight Show, you know, which we all grew up. That was Johnny Carson. My God, you made The Tonight Show. Jay Leno, my God. Him and David Letterman fought over it. That was the biggest thing in the world of comedy. You made The Tonight Show. I was like, well, would you rather be on The Tonight Show or The Joe Rogan Podcast? And, you know, I mean, if you break it down, you, you got a great, you know, a great one. You know, I think Joe Rogan, he's getting millions of, you know, hits on his podcast, it's like, there's, there's not even close to that, you know, what's seeing uh, the Tonight Show, so it's like, podcasts are just taking over, because they're worldwide, anybody can tune into them, so, they're both cool, but if you, if you want one that's really gonna hit a broader audience, you really want to do the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, someday, Joe, someday, me and you are gonna hook up, Funny Like a Clown podcast, and the Joe Rogan podcast, we will meet someday, my friend, because... I ain't stopping, baby. I ain't stopping. You tell all your friends, tune in this podcast. I'll give you something to laugh about. We got some great Boston guests coming up. We're going to start having some more live guests on. And I love reviewing comedians in between, you know, doing live guests. It's all about comedy. It's about the fans, for the fans, with the fans. And we got some great Boston legends coming up, so stay tuned for that. Talking about legends, let's get back to Eddie Griffin, a 30-year comedy career. Uh, married four times, which, uh, <laughs> hey, you've been divorced four times, man. When did you learn your lesson, Eddie? Come on, brother. I mean, I, I know, you know, I believe in love, too. But after four times, uh, I believe in child support and alimony also. So, uh, 
you know, learn your lesson, you know. <laughs> don't, don't keep don't keep sticking your hand in the fire, right? It burns you once, you take it out. All right, maybe you go a second time just to make sure it was actually the fire, but you know, three or four times you're looking for trouble. But uh, who knows, you know. Whatever floats your boat. I don't even want to know how much child support Eddie Griffin will have to pay because he makes a hell of a lot more money than me. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's the children that suffer. Because they, they, I saw a beautiful one. He's like, geez, I saw a kid and he was walking with a, a tackle box and a fishing pole. And he said, really wish I had my dad to go fishing with instead of this brand new fishing pole and fishing gear. I kind of said it all right there, man, okay? Kids need parents. They don't need the money, okay? Parents, not paychecks. Mom and dad, not money. Um, here's a funny one. He did a charity race one time to promote Redline. Uh... <laughs> And I guess he was uh, supposed to drive the car real slow, okay? And he ended up hitting the gas when he thought it was the brake, and he ended up crashing the car into a barrier. And it was a $1.5 million car he ended up busting up. And a lot of reporters accused him of doing it as a publicity stunt. They just called him a bunch of morons. Like, yeah, I'm going to bust up a freaking $1.5 million car for a publicity stunt. Like, give me a break, you know, but... Uh... Everybody's got their conspiracy theories, and speaking of conspiracy theories, Eddie Griffin was one of the top guys who actually spoke out during the Bill Cosby trial and said that Bill was a victim of a conspiracy against him and several other African-American men. So he believes Bill Cosby was set up. A lot of people believe he was set up, but, you know, probably not a popular thing to say when you're at, you know, Eddie Griffin's, Eddie Griffin's status, you know, in the comedy business, that's a daring thing to say to stick up for Bill Cosby. You're going to alienate a whole lot of people to think that the man was guilty of sin. So, you know, if you have an opinion, it's always cool to have your opinion. But go public with that, that's a very risky thing to do. But uh, sometimes, man, you got to believe, you know, I believe children deserve both their parents equally, not child support. And, you know, it's not popular with everybody, but I believe in my heart, man, children deserve their parents. So if that's what he believed, if he believed it was a setup, then good for him for sticking with his guns, even if it wasn't a popular thing to talk about at the time. Uh, let's see. Here's another funny one about him. I, I wouldn't have thought this, okay, because if you've seen Eddie Griffin's comedy, I mean, it's raunchy, it's dirty, it's, it's, it's an art form, it's what he does. But he actually grew up in a family of Jehovah Witnesses now. I just can't, uh, I just can't picture Eddie Griffin going door to door and trying to witness people, you know? He's like, knock, knock, knock. Hello? Hey, do you believe in God, motherfucker? It's just something like it's, that's what I'd picture Eddie Griffin doing, which, who knows? I guess maybe he was a, a tame child, and then out of that came a sense of humor, which, you know, my father was a fairly strict man. He was in the army, and man, his head was messed up from that. He couldn't stand to see any of us happy, and... It's probably why I got into comedy. I had all this all this happiness and, and laughing around and joking was bottled up inside of me. I never got to express as a child, so it's all coming out of me later in life. So maybe, you know, all those years as a Jehovah Witness, and now he's just relaxing and making fun of that kind of stuff. Uh, here's one i got to recommend to you. If you're tuning into this podcast, I'm assuming you like comedy. I'm assuming you like to laugh. I'm assuming you like all these, you know, comedians I'm doing reviews about and, uh, Showtime has a documentary out right now on the Comedy Store, 
And I actually binge-watched the first five episodes of it last night, right in a row. And I was just in awe of this documentary, which, uh, funny enough, most of the comedians in there have... Well, not most of them, but there was a good chunk of the comedians in there I've actually worked with in comedy. And I kind of got chills just like, I worked with him, I worked with him, I with him. Uh, Just knowing all these great comedians, because the comedy store... That's the most legendary place in the world for comedy. That's where all the Richard Pryors and the Robin Williams and the Sam Kinnisons and Rodney Dangerfield's right down the line. That's where they went. And even the big stars of today, they still go back there because, you know, me, you know, I do the big halls and I do the big comedy clubs, but I got to go to open mics to work out my material because you don't work it out in front of 300 people. You go to an open mic where there's 20, 30 people, you try out new jokes. Well, when you're playing stadiums and you're playing, you know, theaters and these, you know, four or five hundred seaters, well, you don't go to open mics because you're too popular to mob you, so you go to the comedy store, you know, that comedy club, that's your open mic, that's where you go to work out material for your big arena shows and your big theater shows, so the comedy store, it's kind of a hangout for the big time comedians where they go to work out some new material and, uh, they get all the big stars in there, uh, now here's a funny one where, I guess, now Eddie Griffin, he'll go to the comedy store, He'll get on stage, and when you're a big star, you kind of make your own rules, okay? I remember I booked Steve Sweeney once, Boston legend, and uh, one of the young comics, you know, asked me, how long is he going to do? I'm like, he's Steve Sweeney. He's going to do as long as he wants, man. It's like, he makes the rules. Now, I'm booking the show, but, I mean, he's the guy they came to see. You don't tell, stay Steve, time to get off stage. No, he's Steve Sweeney. Let him do what he wants, so... Eddie Griffin, he's the star, and I guess he'll go in the comedy store, and he'll end up doing, like, three, four-hour sets, which is... Just amazing he'd have that much material, but he's a professional comedian, but it gets to the point where he's pissing off the other comics, you know, and I guess a couple of times the comics walked right on stage and just told him, hey, Eddie, you know, other comics would like some time here tonight, you know, you just, you know, eat up the whole night, but uh, at the same time, you know, he worked his way to get there. I remember, uh, you know, uh, Whitney Cummings, I guess they told her one time how she was so privileged to you know, just go in the comedy store and do what she did. She's like, do you have any idea how many times I sat on the curb? How many years I had to sit on the curb just hoping to get three minutes? Because they do a lottery at the comedy store. And most times it's fixed, you know. You got to know somebody to even get on the list, you know. You think you got a chance being on the lottery, but most times you don't. And just, just waiting and the pain and, you know, finally paid off, you know. And uh, just years and years before you can even get your foot in the door. Then it's years and years on top of that just to... Uh, you know, get some minutes, and it's years and years on that before you finally get past and get to be a paid regular, which is like the ultimate honor at the comedy store. So Eddie Griffin goes in, and you know, he earned it, he worked his way there, he does four hours, so I guess he could have the debate, you know, did he earn it and he earned the four hours, or I don't care how much you earned, you, you know, you, you shouldn't forget where you came from, be shitting on the other comics who are waiting for time too, and you know, I gotta say, I got a... I got a friend, there's a friend of mine, he's a big time comic, and uh, I flew up to Alaska, you know, and uh, we were hanging around, and I was going to open for him, and we went down the comedy club, and little did I know that uh, they had contests running, you know, for this guy, and uh, all these young comedians had won the contest for the right to, you know, feature for him, well, I come walking in the door, and all of a sudden they busted all them down to open, and I got the feature for him, and I was like, I felt so good for me, but I felt so bad for them because I know if I had won a contest, I would have wanted to do the big time too, but they were actually all cool about it, but it was one of those, 
I felt I felt good and bad about the whole situation. Good for me, bad for them, because I know what it's like to be there, you know, and you don't want to shit on what they earn. So, uh, but hey, welcome to comedy. It's a dirty business, okay? I mean, if you can't handle getting dirty, then get out of the business, because uh, it ain't cut out for you. Uh, I remember a friend of mine told me that he was in a comedy contest one time, and it ended up, you know... At the end of your set, the crowd would clap for you, and whoever got the most loud claps, that's who'd win the contest. Well, these young kids, you know, they can get 20 of their friends to come out, so even if they're not the funniest, all the friends are going nuts clapping for them. So it was kind of like, he said, well, that's not very fair. You know, he wouldn't have the best set. He just had the most, friend, you know, friends. And I told him, if you're going to be treated fairly, get the hell out of comedy, man. It ain't going to be for you, because uh, stuff like that goes on every night. I remember another guy... They told him, you know, if you want to perform, you got to bring four or five of your family guests. He brought four or five of his family guests. All of a sudden, a big-time comedian came in, bumped him from the show. His whole family showed up to see him. He never even got to perform. So I guess uh, they gave him the ticket money back, I guess. But he ended up, you know, we brought the crowd, never even got to perform. So, welcome to comedy. You better be ready to kick down before you're going to get somewhere in the business. That's the way it works. Uh... Some of the smaller roles that you probably don't even remember him from on his way up, he was in the last Boy Scout. I think he was a bike messenger in there. They said, like, one small scene, you know, this is before you hit the big time, you know. If you get a few minutes on screen, you're doing good. If they let you say a couple of lines, like, two words is, like, gold. Oh, my God. I had a speaking role in a movie. Uh, he was in the movie Coneheads. That was a big uh, spinoff of the Saturday Night Live uh, skit, the Coneheads. They turned into movies there with Dan Aykroyd and... Uh, House Party 3, I can't remember the kid's name there, man. I remember I had a haircut up to the friggin' roof there, but uh, very popular movie. Uh, Armageddon he was in, and uh, who would have known? He was actually, uh, he played a geek in a Saved by the Bell episode, so who knew Eddie Griffin was on Saved by the Bell way back in the day? I couldn't have pictured that, but uh, I guess he was like an extra. They were like a classroom of, a glee club, I think it was. He was like part of the glee club, you know. I don't think he had a speaker role, but he was just like on set as an extra or something as he was in part of the Glee Club. And Who knows? Eddie Griffin, part of the Glee Club? Why not? Um, as I said, uh, he also dabbles into the music thing. You know, he's on some uh, famous rappers' albums and a couple of tracks. He's also been in some famous music videos with uh, Snoop Dogg. He did uh, one with Jewel, one with Puff Daddy, one with Master P. I mean, these are the biggest rapper names of the time right there, and... Uh, they're asking this guy to come in and be in their video, and why not? Because comedy and videos, you know, you always looking, you always want that comedy outlet, okay? You know, you got the straight guy, you got the straight guy's friend, you got the hero, you got the sidekick, but you always need that comic relief, because you always need a little bit of comic relief in, in whatever you do, and I guess he's the comic relief you'd call him in those videos, and, uh... Why not? Yeah, remember in the days of MTV when you could actually see a music video that, uh... Yeah, a lot of guest appearances by some stars would be in those. Remember Mike, uh, Michael, Michael Jackson's video? I what, Magic Johnson and Eddie Murphy, they were guest starring in his videos. A uh, little kid from Home Alone there. And, uh, yeah, all the big stars were, were getting into the music video scene. And I guess now you got to go see them on YouTube. They're still releasing them, but it's more of an online thing. Everything's online now. I think TV is going to be, be, be a thing of the past coming up here, man, because these online sites are taking over, I'll tell you. Uh, check out mine. I'm on YouTube. I got my own channel on YouTube, and you know, got a bunch of different things I've done. Uh, got the podcast on there, Funny Clown. My old TV show, The Comedy Kitchen. I got uh, 
some of my stand-up, some of my acting, got all kinds of stuff on there. Check it out. Some skits I've done, some TV shows I've done. It's a great channel and it's free, so you know, you don't have to pay the big uh, you know, Netflix prices for it. Uh, he released four comedy albums, and this was back when you could actually release an album and make some money on them. And you can't make any money nowadays, that's why they stopped doing them, because of all the free downloading. Uh, they're just an advertisement tool now, you put out a special. You don't even make money on the special. That's just like, so people can see you and want to come see you live, and that's where you make your money is live. I remember what uh, Ace Freely of uh, Kiss was saying, why do I got to meet you halfway, you know? Why do I got to give you something for free to get you to come out and buy a ticket? The old days, you made money on the album, and you made money on the ticket. Nowadays, you make no money on them, and you pay twice as much for a ticket. That's how it works, but, you know, there had to be a concession there with the new... Uh, with the new downloads, he was even saying in Kiss they couldn't have got away, you know, nobody's seen him in makeup, but nowadays everybody got a cell phone, they would never get away with it like they did back then, but it was a different time. Now it's all a dot-com age. Um, let's see, uh, the four albums, what, The Message in the Hat, The Message, uh, Freedom of Speech, and uh, you can tell him I said that. And, uh, hey, you can tell Eddie Griffin whatever you want, man. Um, from Jehovah Witness to criminal to open mic to movies to comedy specials to albums. He's living the dream. And you know why? Because he worked hard. He didn't sit home and say, hey, everybody owes me something. And, uh, you know, I booked some of the biggest comedy shows in central Massachusetts. And that's what I look for. The guys that are working hard in comedy, not the ones that are saying, hey, man, you should see me. I'm, I'm funny, man. You owe me something. You owe me a paid gig. That's amazing. But everybody thinks they're worth getting paid, okay? Well, what are you done worth getting paid? Hey, man, I was at a birthday last week. I cracked up my Uncle Eddie. You should have seen how hard I had Eddie laughing, man. He gave me a paid gig. Yeah, well, there's a thousand guys ahead of you with a, a thousand better credits than making your Uncle Eddie laugh. So uh, get with the program, okay? Uh, be happy you got some stage time, okay? And uh, put in the work like Eddie Griffin did. And that's when you get to be a paid comic, okay? I guess my advice for this episode will be, when you get to the point in comedy where you don't need anybody to give you a paid gig, you have enough work of your own, that's when you'll be worth getting paid, okay? Because uh, if, you, if you're a funny comic, you don't have to go looking for uh, paid work. Paid work starts to find you. So there's my advice. Funny Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. Keep tuning in. We're going to start having some live guests on starting next week. we got some Boston legends coming up. And uh, hopefully we'll keep going. We'll get back to some reviews. We'll keep doing comedy and keep laughing because laughter is the best medicine. Till next week, tell somebody a joke. Good night. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.